to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and today our guest is Barry Flavin. Barry has been investing in real estate for over eight years, and he started by rehabbing and selling several of his personal residences. He then used the proceeds to purchase 20 plus single family rentals and realized that many opportunities that real estate has to offer was in multifamily, and so he shifted his focus. And today he currently owns 409 units as of 2021. So we're very excited to have you on the show, Barry. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Aline. Thank you. So I'd love to hear how you um, got started in real estate and learn a little bit more about your background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I started out in real estate kind of accidentally. My first experience in real estate was not a good one. I bought my first personal residence in 2006. And I think if you could have picked the worst day to buy a house and lock in a rate before the crash, I think that was it. Um, spare the details, but took a loss on that home. But luckily, I'd paid it down enough to to be able to walk away with a check and actually be in a position to sell it. And I moved just a little bit down the road, and I bought a, a ten acre horse ranch, and it was a total fixer upper. It wasn't a foreclosure, but it was about as close as you can come to it. So, spent the next few years fixing that up, just doing it all on my own not with the intentions of flipping it to make a bunch of money, but uh, just happened to now time the upswing of the market. After a few years living that lifestyle of cutting grass every day and constantly fixing everything that comes with a 10-acre horse ranch, I decided to move back back to the suburbs, get into the city again. Um, So sold that, was able to make a good amount of money on it, and did the same process again with a couple other uh, personal residences. And that's when I I went to a good friend of mine and now my business partner, and he had been actively buying single family homes for for rentals. And I went to him and I said, hey, look, I've bought and sold a few of these houses now and I have some cash. I've got some ammo. How do I actively start building a real estate portfolio? And at the time, I thought, I just want maybe five to 10 single family rental homes, and that'd be great. That'll go with uh, my government pension that might come down the line and and life would be grand, right? So he walked me through the process, said, here, listen to a couple of these podcasts, read a couple of these books, and you should know enough to decide if it's something you want to do or not. Did that, pulled the trigger, started buying um, a couple single family homes and rehabbing them. And I instantly saw the opportunity and the light bulb went off in my head to say, all right, now I'm in the driver's seat for my future. I'm not dependent singly on one source of income coming from an employer. And I went out and we bought and rehabbed 18 houses in the first 17 months. And then me and my partner kind of put our heads together and transitioned into multifamily as our main focus. Oh, wow. So you rehabbed basically a little over one house per month. Yeah, we we quickly spent all of our money and then quickly got comfortable being uncomfortable and borrowing money from private lenders doing hard money loans and just really, we went all in. (laughs) 
Oh, wow. And so you rehabbed them. And so how long did it take you to sell the properties after you had rehabbed each of those? So we actually, we still own every single one of those today. We uh, manage by a third-party management company, which my partner owns and operates. Um, I guess we're a little different than some people where we don't want to sell it until it makes, until really we've run out of the depreciation cycle of the, of the property. If it's cash flowing and paying down principal, then we want to keep it for as long as it makes sense. Oh, wow. And so um, you said that you still own all of them today and you and your partner are self-managing them right now. Yeah, we have a, we have a staff of about, uh, I think it's, I think the head counts about 30 employees now today. Wow. And are they all um, relatively close by to each other or? We have a few different offices spread out anywhere from, so we're in the Metro Detroit area. We have an office as far south as Toledo and then another one about an hour north in Southgate, Wyandotte area. And then we have another about 45 minutes to an hour north of there in Shelby Township, Michigan. And so what was it about multifamily that wanted you to um, switch and refocus your concentration from single family to multifamily? Really the scalability and just kind of the insulation that you get from just having more units under one roof. And so let's talk a little bit about your first deal. And um, did you do that on your own or with your business partner? So the first multifamily deal that I was a part of was a 144-unit apartment complex in Dearborn Heights, Michigan. And how we got to doing that deal was the groundwork was done by my partner, Josh Sterling, where the few previous years uh, to that deal, he had bought personally on his own a 24-unit, I want to say a 40-unit, and then a 53-unit that he had done a couple was on his own, and then he had done a small syndication where he went out and raised a few hundred thousand dollars from investors. So he had laid the groundwork for uh, things, the property management team to be able to manage these properties and run them, and then also build relationships with first bring the deal to you, and then the um, and where we we thought it really made sense to start to team up was. Josh had the operation side down, but didn't really feel that he had quite a large enough network to go out and really raise funds from investors. So to figure out how we could uh, put our heads together, and he said, you know what, let's do this, Barry. He says, you seem to have a knack for it, going out and raising money and talking to investors, and it's something you enjoy doing, and you have a larger network. And so we said, go start chasing larger deals, and I'll... uh, I'll start putting the feelers out to the uh, the investor network to see what the appetite is for these. And we got that 144-unit deal under contract, and we had to go raise $2.8 million as really the first big syndication that both of us took part in and my first multifamily deal. Oh, wow. So when I heard from that a lot, it was great that you and your partner had found complementary skill sets from each other, which enabled you yeah. to really move forward on this deal. Absolutely, yeah. And what was like the biggest challenge of raising the $2.8 million that you had mentioned? The biggest challenge up front was um, we were a little naive thinking, hey, this is such a great deal. Who wouldn't want to just, everybody should just write us a check for $500,000 and this will be done. We'll only have maybe five investors and wouldn't that be great? Well, that's not exactly how it went, right? 
we started reaching out to the investors and for a lot of them, their exposure to real estate was only through REITs or maybe owning a, a second home for them, a vacation home. And when we started reaching out to these folks, there was a lot of education, a lot of coffee meetings, a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails traded back and forth in dinner meetings. So really explaining to people how the syndication model works and how they're actually part owner in the property and explaining them just our overall strategy for the property. So for us, we got it done, It, but it wasn't as easy as we thought it was going to be right up front. And so after you completed your first 144 unit deal, mm-hmm. what were some of the lessons that you learned from that deal that had enabled you to take on and purchase your second deal? So the second deal came... Um, down in Toledo, Ohio, which is not about an hour from us. Um, I guess we the biggest thing for us was we were able to piggyback off the success of the first deal where we were consistent in delivering what we told the investors we were going to deliver. Um, we followed through on the, the initial game plan that we came up with for the property and, and are still doing so today a few years later. So yeah, we were just able to kind of build on that track record that we had. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. And so one of the things that you mentioned earlier also was that your business partner or you and your business partner also do the property management side of things. So you guys are more vertically integrated um, in the whole process. Can you talk a little bit about that and your process? Yeah. So all of our property management is in-house. We have full control of it. They're all direct employees of ours. We don't have to go to, we don't have to lean on the third party uh, property manager. Not that there's anything wrong with that. We just uh, we found just as you scale, having a tighter control on everything is really a key to our operation. And so, are you focusing more on um, in the Michigan market, or are you looking for places in the surrounding areas? We do look throughout the Midwest. Uh, we've been fortunate enough where we've been able to have access to enough opportunities within an hour to two hours of, of home base for us. And so also with your investors, how have you been able to you know, maintain the relationships with your investors and then um, in order to create these long-term partnerships with them? Yeah, so we started small with the typical story of started out with the friends and family network Um work acquaintances and just people that we had talked to along the way that saw us really start from the ground up and building an investor network. I don't know if there's any quick way to do it. It's just, it's consistency. It's slow and steady wins the race. It's 
every deal that we do, we seem to always bring in uh, a handful of new investors that were, I would say nine times out of 10, a referral from another investor that was in a previous deal with us that they said, hey, these guys did a good job. They, they delivered on what they said they were going to do. Um, so yeah, we just, we've been fortunate enough to have people refer us out and it's just slowly, slowly growing that way. Absolutely. Uh, real estate is, what I like to say, is is not necessarily a sprint. It's, a, it's like a marathon. So we're exactly. doing things like little by little to create these long-term, um, building up the long-term wealth and establishing long-term relationships with everyone. Absolutely. There'll be days where it feels like you're not making much progress, but as you look back and a deal does come around and then somebody that you talked to months ago about potential future investments. And then you get to that point where you do get a deal under contract, you put your package together and you, you send it out to your email list of hundreds of investors. And then people start to reach back out to you and say, Hey, Barry, can we please set up a phone call? I'm interested in this opportunity. And then you start to go, Oh, that's right. I did talk to that person and that person a few months ago or six months ago. So it's, yep. Just every little bit helps. And so, Barry, what has been some of the biggest challenges that you have faced from, you know, starting off in the single family area, moving into the multifamily and, you know, to get to where you are today? Uh, Biggest challenges? Being patient, I would say. That's a big part of it. To your point, it's uh, it is a marathon. Um, To echo the previous point, it feels like there's days where you're just you're doing nothing but hitting the wall. But you just got to remind yourself, uh, keep taking steps forward, be patient, be patient. Trust your numbers. You can't get emotional. You can't get attached to a property. The numbers don't work. It doesn't work. Throw in your best offer. And if they take it, great. We'll move forward and try to make that deal work. But if not, find the next one. There's always going to be future opportunities out there. No, absolutely. And so, Barry, what are you looking to do next? And what is kind of like your next focus? Um, We just want to continue to do uh, really what we're doing today, which is we're on pace to do a two, maybe three syndications a year for our investors. And we're at the same time, we do purchase other properties for ourselves without investors. But uh, from an investor standpoint, if we could just continue to do two to three good deals a year for our investors, we don't want, we don't want to bite off more than we can chew. We don't need to, I mean, realistically for us, uh, a couple hundred unit property is more than feasible for us to go get into a, a six, 700 unit property that's just outside of our, our bar range. So we're just, we're not going to go, we're going to stick with what we do well and continue to slowly build on that, do what we're doing now and just continue to do it better, more of it. And so Barry, how has real estate investing really impacted your life so far? The biggest thing for me is it has, it's given me that sense of freedom that everybody talks about when you talk about real estate investing, right? It's given me that opportunity to work at my own pace, work on my schedule. There's days and there's weeks where I'm slammed all day long, weeks at a time. And then there's there's also weeks where it's just uh, checking in on things, keeping the ship moving in the right direction. But there's that satisfaction of knowing what I do. It's It's on my watch and I'm building it for me and for my investors. It's not going in, punching the clock and just grinding to build somebody else's dream, somebody else's fortune. No, thank you. And so if you could share a little bit of advice of, you know, when things get really like, 
you're inundated, you know, mm-hmm. on certain times and certain um, times in the process and you're just slammed. What are some of the things that you do in order to kind of, you know, just keep focus and not get burnt out? Yeah, the, the biggest thing is to continue to stay organized, take tasks that sometimes seem so overwhelming if you think about it in one big chunk. But if you break that down, it's it's very attainable. It's, uh, how do you eat an elephant, right? One piece at a time. So for me personally, I write things down. I make lists. I prioritize them. And for me, I go through my day and I'm constantly crossing things off my list. And at the end of the day, it's okay. How do I stay on task? I got to keep moving through this list until it's done. And so what is one thing that you know now about real estate that you kind of wish you knew when you first started? Um, I wish I would have really known the, just the opportunities that real estate offers. There's a million ways to make a million bucks in real estate. It can be wholesaling. It can be single family rentals. It can be apartment buildings, retail space, warehouse space. There's so many different things about, about real estate that just opens up doors, opens up opportunities. So I wish I would have really known more about it earlier on in my life and just the scalability of it all. And then just leveraging networks, uh, networks of investors, networks of brokers, just other people that are trying to do what you're doing in the business. Just a giant pool of knowledge out there from podcasts uh, such as yours to books, blogs, you name it. So Yes, and absolutely. Especially what you said earlier about leveraging your network, you know, especially in real estate, I found that a lot of people in this industry have been so open and so willing to just share. So just Mm -hmm. by reaching out to, you know, someone more knowledgeable and just asking those questions, getting that feedback has just been invaluable. And everybody is just coming from this like abundant mindset and just wanting to share and wanting to see you succeed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's there's plenty of deals out there. Everybody's in different markets and everybody has a different niche, even if you're in the same market. So, And what is one thing that sets successful people apart in the real estate investing business? Uh, I would have to say consistency. Just try to be consistent in your business model, in your day-to-day just actions, your interactions with your network of your brokers, your investors, just continue to be consistent. So for us, it's consistently looking at new opportunities, consistently trying to reach out to our current investors, uh, staying in communication with them, keeping them up to date on information that's going on with projects they're involved in, uh, future projects that might be coming down the line, and then consistently trying to reach out to potential new investors and bringing new opportunities their way. And what tools or techniques have you used to improve the efficiency of your business or your personal life? Again, probably just back to trying to stay organized, uh, putting processes and procedures in place uh, before you get to that point where you're, you're too busy. And then you got to say, Oh, now we got to back this off and, and then put those, those systems in place. So, yeah. Yes, I totally agree. And just having like what you said, and just making sure you write everything down because sometimes there's just so many things going on that if you don't write it down, something is it's easily um, can slip your mind. Yep. We love to-do lists, checklists, processes, all that stuff. Thank you so much for sharing, Barry. And if our guests wanted, or if our listeners wanted to find out a little bit more about you and what you do, where can they go? Uh, so easiest place to get a little bit more information is our, our website, newmissioncapital.com. 
And then the easiest way to get a hold of me is Barry at newmissioncapital.com. B-A-R-R-Y at newmissioncapital.com. Thank you so much, Barry. Really appreciate everything. And thank you for joining us today. Eileen, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate. We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.